Pumajana Trimanandasya, Jina Jina Salakaya, Chakshurna Vitanyena, Tasma Shri Guru Venama, Panchakapati Vishya, Kripishna Bevacha, Patitanam Pabhanayu, Vaishnaviju Namunama. So we're going to continue this evening with some recap of where we've been in Madhurya Kadamani. We haven't covered a lot, but it's good to continually get a get a good perspective of what exactly Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is presenting to us. And what he's presenting is he's presenting a an elaboration uh, upon Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Not the whole Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, but specifically that part of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that deals with the practice of sadhana bhakti, sadhana bhakti leading up to bhava bhakti. So, again, devotional service can be broadly broken down into three major sections. Devotional service in practice, devotional service in ecstasy, and devotional service in pure love of God. So if we look at the verse of Srila Rupa Goswami, that practice of devotional service, the majority is sadhana, up to the stage of bhava. So, shraddha, tashraddha, tatasadhu, associating with someone who has some contact with the Supreme, taking sangha of he and his good associates, others who have taken shelter of him, uh, others that are his contemporaries, adashrada tatasadu sangava bhajanakriya, engaging in a practice to make our heart fertile so that bhakti would like to reside there. And we're going to touch upon that this evening. Tashrada tatasadu sangotha bhajanakriya tato nartha nudivitishat. And naturally, by that bhajanakriya, the false values which have controlled our existence up to the time that we are blessed by Krishna's devotees and invited into their association. Material existence is nothing but a, but a, a continual turmoil of, of bad habits which have nothing to do with our true spiritual existence. So once the heart is cleansed, we become a little steady, steady in the practice. And that steadiness in the practice allows us entrance into a different realm of experience. So within the world, we have a a realm of experience centered around the senses and the sense objects, the mind's acceptance and rejection of those senses, those sense objects, influenced by the modes of material nature, influenced by our activities within the world who which fosters this body that I have now and its ability 
to to function and to fulfill my desires. So the fulfillment of that desire is based on based on my prior activity. Uh, I'm given a particular body, a particular set of senses. And if we're so fortunate to come to the human form of life, we're also given some intellect as to inquiring about ourselves above and beyond simply a tasting of material enjoyment through the senses, through the ear, the eye, the nose, the mouth, the sense of feel. These are all, this is the common basis of, of our understanding of material existence, that it up through the human form of life, primarily those that are in animal forms are primarily involved in eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Primarily. That isn't to say that they don't have a good time once in a while. We go on YouTube and we see a a crow sledding down the side of a roof. It's like, well, he's trying to enjoy himself. Or we notice the cows out here in the freshly tilled earth enjoying themselves, either eating it or rubbing their faces in it. Uh, and we even notice sometimes that they interact interact with uh, humans in a very humorous way, and they, you know, they enjoy, they certainly love it when we, we show them our affection. They'll show us where they want petted. Primarily, their existence, it, it, they don't, above and beyond that gratification of the senses, there's no sense of, where did I come from? Where am I going? What's the true nature of myself? Become steady in devotional practice. We start to experience a taste of what lies beyond sensual enjoyment in a regular way from our spiritual life. That isn't to say that there are not glimmers prior to the stage of Ruchi where there is taste of spiritual life. There certainly is. There are certainly times that simply sitting in the association of the sadhus and the association of one's guru, there is some, uh, some, our heart is sometimes touched and we feel some emotion beyond sense gratification simply in the association of the sadhus, the guru, the the deity, the prashadam. I remember when I first tasted prashadam, I I, I said, this is otherworldly. I honestly sense that. This, there's something special here in this. Or I saw, saw the Bhagavad Gita, I looked at the picture of Krishna, and I, I have some sense I have some recognition, some some sense of 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 this personality being my God. So as Ashram Maharaj was speaking the other evening, we we have some direct experience. Now, how do we know that's coming from the spiritual plane? Well, we know from what? From Srimad Bhagavatam. What is that famous verse? 
Ata Shri Krishna Namadi Nabaved Graham Indriya We cannot perceive Krishna his spiritual nature his name form qualities or pastimes and when we speak of Krishna we also refer to Krishna is never alone He's always with his associates. So, Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabaved Graham Indriya. Any of those spiritual experiences cannot come from the material senses. Krishna cannot be found there. There's nothing there. With the material senses, no outreach that we can make to bring God in. And we're going to touch upon that. That's a very critical point that Vishwanath makes in the very beginning of Madhurya Kadambani is the fact that the causeless nature of bhakti after some taste, some consistent taste, that's what we're talking about at the stage of Ruchi, consistent taste. It's always there. When you sit down chant your rounds at the stage of Ruchi, you're present, Krishna is present, and you, you are experiencing that. Then we come to Asakti. Asakti means we start to actually get some sense of where we stand within the spiritual realm. Some attraction is coming to specific qualities of Krishna's. Krishna's is unlimited qualities. Although 64 are brought forth by Srila Rupa Goswami in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu as primary, uh, still, can we really name all of them? This is Krishna. He's unlimited. His qualities are unlimited. But for the sake of, the sake of presenting uh, the subject matter in a way that we can comprehend it from our material perspective, Rupa Goswami's brought out these 64 and said, here, let's look at these. Specifically, look at these qualities in relationship with Krishna because you're familiar with these qualities in your realm of material existence. All those stages, little initial faith, association with the sadhus, engaging in some practice of devotion, of bhajan, clearing of bad habits for material association, becoming steady in our practice, getting a taste, a consistent taste from that practice, and starting to, starting to understand our spiritual position. All that falls under the realm of devotional service and practice. Then we have devotional service and ecstasy, bhava, bhakti, and we have Praying Bhakti, devotional service and pure love of God. Let's look, I just want to do a quick recap of some of the highlights of what Vishwanath has presented. And then we're going to enter into, for a couple evenings, a discussion which will hopefully give us some true awareness of what is the practice of devotional service from our side 
and what is the practice of devotional service coming from the other side. So, Vishwanath opens up. He opens up with a Mangalacharana verse, and in that Mangalacharana, he praises Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for what? For the fact that here is Golokir Premadan. Here is the manifestation, the incarnation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who's coming to freely distribute what no one else, no other incarnation has given before. Entrance into Prem, specifically in the manner it is practiced by the Vrajbhakis, the highest associates of the Supreme Lord. And how, what? That he's nourishing, his Sankirtan movement is nourishing the Angas of Sadhana Bhakti. What are those Angas? Those Angas are coming from Srimad Bhagavatam. They are Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Parasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmanivedanam. And in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna Das Kavi Swami go so far as to point out what? All of those angas, those nine practices, are contained within pure chanting. Pure chanting. Yes. So this, this, this is the nourishment that Sri Chaitanya is giving, and it's primarily centered around Harinam Sankirtan. So that's the first verse. Sri Chaitanya's specific and unique contribution, how his practice nourishes those seeds of bhakti for the sadhika. And specifically what? Vraj bhakti. Why? Because Krishna in Vraj is what? He's the king of rasa. He's displaying his most sweetest association. That's one of those four unique characteristics that are only displayed in that realm, in that kind of association. Four unique things, which are, there's no other manifestation of the Supreme is quite as beautiful as Krishna. Rupa Madhurya. His form is unexcelled even by all the other manifestations that he may he may bless someone with. Still, this manifestation is, is the sweetest. So Rupa Madhurya. The way he interchanges with the devotees in Vrindavan, in Vraj, is, is an exhibition of the topmost loving affairs. Topmost. And that's not just his, his Madhurya Leela. Also his associates, his associates who are in the Rasas of, of uh, 
of parentalhood, parental affection, salya, and and friendship, sakya, ras. So, but in that realm, Madhurya reigns supreme, and everything is flavored by that that rasa, flavored in a very sweet way. The other two. Love, form, Leela. Leela Madhurya? And Venu. That's correct. Leela and Venu. The way he plays his flute and the way he exhibits those loving pastimes, what he does in Vraj, no other incarnation of the Supreme exhibits themselves with such Leelas. I think we've covered about everything of, of what is the first verse. Not everything, but I mean, you could speak on these verses for, for months on end. But just the essence. We're going to try to make some headway. In the second verse, Vishwanath Chakravarti speaks about and prays to Rupa Goswami. As Gaudiya Vaishnavs, we all take shelter of Srila Rupa Goswami. Because why? Because he's been specifically infused by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to give the essence of his mood of devotional service. You know what that means. What he's giving, what Rupa Goswami is giving, is he's giving specifics as to what is that devotional service and the perfection of that service according to Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, who's what? He's come as a devotee. So what is his ideal as a devotee? When God comes as a devotee, now we know there's an internal purpose, but externally he's exhibiting the ideal of devotional practice. Rupa Goswami, he has codified that ideal in how do we practice and what do we desire to attain. How do we practice? Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu provides that direction. What is the goal? Well, specifically for those who are attracted to Madhurya Leela, then we have Ujvla Nilamani, more specific directions for those that are in the mode of conjugal affection with the Supreme Lord. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. And of course, what's Rupa's specific qualification? He's Rupa Manjari. He's Rupa Manjari, correct. And being Rupa Manjari, he certainly knows what is the means of attainment, which he's learned from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Why? Not really learned what's he been doing. He's been empowered. Lord Chaitanya said, I notice 
he has some some specific qualities, some characteristics are, which are very good for this spreading, for for this bringing out Vraj Bhakti. So I've empowered him. Not only have I empowered him, but I beg all of you, all of my intimate associates, Sarup Damodar, Ramananda Roy, all of you, you bless him, all of you, my associates, you bless him that he can do this. So, second verse, we're praising Srila Rupa Goswami and specifically understanding what is his position. And what is it? He, it we are all Rupanugas. We are all followers of Srila Rupa Goswami coming in the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. So we all bow to him continually to please you bless us that we can understand exactly how we are to practice this. Bless us that we can understand uh, through our spiritual master who is taking your instructions and, and presenting them according to our atmosphere now, our time, place, and circumstance. He's presenting what you've given us. Please you bless us that we can fully understand that. And again, what no other acharya before him has been charged with, giving the sadhika entrance into an understanding of Raj Bhakti. And specifically how? Anakuya. Anakuya means it's fully satisfying to Krishna. And in this instance... Fully satisfying to Krishna means fully satisfying to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Our entrance into pure devotional service is through Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Though Sri Vishwadath Chakravarti Deepad says that though the previous Mahajans have accepted the path of pure devotion, and if we read Sriman Bhagavatam, we see so many Narada and so many great, great devotees are presented there Prahlad, Narda um, the liberation of, of uh, you know all these devotees but what what is the specific have accepted the path of pure devotion now by the mercy of Rupa Goswami the fortunate devotees attain the intelligence to realize bhakti as rasa so again, we come back to the fact that Rupa Goswami's been empowered to give what is being freely distributed by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Entrance into those specific rasas that have never been given before. In the third verse, and this is kind of a I won't go into this in depth. Ashram Maharaj has kind of touched upon it. Um, the evidence upon which, the basis upon which we acquire spiritual understanding, that evidence, that pramana, pramana evidence, is 
scripture. Now, as Ashura Maharaj touched upon, there are ten, you know, great scholars, these great thinkers, they've said there's really ten types of evidence, but if you really look at them, nine of them fall short except, except for scriptural evidence. So, this third verse, I don't know if we've read it yet, we'll read it now, can't hurt. The evidence of the Shrutis is the best of scriptural evidence, Sabda Pramana. The Tatatriya Shruti explains that Brahman is the support or base of the Paramanandamaya Purusha, the ever-blissful Supreme Person. The same Shruti further explains that Bhagavan is personified rasa and only by attaining him one can become ever blissful. This verse declares that Bhagavan, the supreme absolute truth, is superior even to Brahman. In Bhagavad Gita as well, Krishna established himself as the shelter of Brahman. Brahmano hi pratistaham. 14th chapter, 27th verse. The Shrutis and Smritis therefore assert that the original personality of Godhead is Sri Vrajendra Nandana, the son of the king of Raj, Nanda Maharaj, whose eternal figure, possessing name, form, qualities, and pastimes, is beyond the three gunas of Maya. Though he is transcendental to material nature, he manifests to the ear, eye, mind, intellect, and others by his own free will without depending on any other cause. For instance, by his completely independent will and inconceivable potency, the Lord appears as Sri Krishna and Sri Rama in the Yadu and Ragu dynasties. So again, we get back to the point, there's nothing from our side Krishna is completely independent from that side, from the subjective realm, Krishna can manifest himself wherever and whenever he desires. And there's nothing, there's no arrangement, there's nothing that the conditioned soul can do to arrange for having that specific audience with the Lord. In fact, even the Lord could be present before us in one of his manifestations, but without the proper grounding in spiritual understanding, we would not recognize him. I thought it would be good just to give you one of those other nine. Real, just cursory. What are those other nine evidences? We understand Shruti. Shruti is what? Shruti is coming from the, from the breath of the Supreme. It's faultless. And Smriti? Smriti is coming from those who have realized the Supreme. This evidence we can rely upon. And specifically, why can we rely upon it? It's not colored by four defects. Imperfect senses becoming illusioned, making mistakes, and having a tendency to cheat.
wanting something for nothing. Don't we all want something for nothing? The other nine, real quick. Pratyaksa. Pratyaksa. Hear it, see it, smell it, taste it, touch it. But it's limited. The senses are limited. I can only see so far. All of you can see much further than I can. (laughs) And the eagle can see much farther than you can. We all have senses. The dog can smell much better than we can. I can hear much better than Bhakti Ross can. Not much better, a little bit better. But neither of us can hear as good as the dog. Simple dog. Sense perception is good. It's a good why it's a good evidence. There's nothing except it's limited. It's limited according to the body. It's limited according to the circumstances. Anuman. Anuman. In having knowledge based on, uh, what's it say here? Common observation. There's a mountain. And we can see smoke is coming off from the other side of the mountain. Common knowledge would tell me what? There's probably a fire over there. Because where there's smoke, there's generally fire. So if I see a lot of smoke, I could probably say there's probably a forest fire on the other side of that mountain. But also, the firemen could have come and just put the fire out. There'd still be smoke coming. So my common observation would be wrong. It, well, well-founded as it may be in knowledge that generally where there is smoke, there is fire. Well, sometimes there's smoke and the fire is gone already. So that's Anumana. It's two. The third one, Arsa. The sayings, what's coming to us through sages. People of knowledge. They're knowledgeable people. They've arrived at conclusions. They've maybe performed great austerities. Years, lifetimes of study in whatever their discipline may be. But are they fully reliable? Fully reliable. No, they're generally, they, they have a field of speciality, do they not? So if we want to know what's at the bottom of the ocean, we go to, uh, what's that name? Uh, Jacques. Jacques, right. We go to him. He's going to know more than somebody like Einstein because he spent his whole life studying the ocean and what's there and how it works and moves and this what what uh, you know what dwells there but he doesn't have the same knowledge theoretical knowledge of science and particles and matter and time that an einstein has so great rishis what to speak when you kind of talk about people with this yoga or that yoga and this these you know uh, somebody that that 
perfected themselves in it and has specific cities. They're all a little different and their perspectives are a little different. Are they knowledgeable? Yes. Do they have good evidence? Yeah, it's pretty generally pretty well founded. Is it complete? No. So that's Arsa. The Rishis, the sages, the theologians, the people that have really used their life's energy to explore things. They have good evidence, but it's not fully reliable in all circumstance. Upama, Upamana, Upamana. Acquiring knowledge of one thing based on our knowledge of another. I can say, that young girl, she's so beautiful, her face is like a lotus. That's what this is. It's based on a lotus, but if you don't have any knowledge of a lotus, then my pramana, my evidence, is not going to be very good for you, is it? So it's it's restrictive. Not that it's not good. Oh, she has the face of a lotus. She's she glows. She's you know it's it's uh, her eyes sparkle and her face is just it's like a lotus. What's a lotus? <clears throat> What's he talking about? See, so it's it's good. It's good evidence, but not everyone's going to be able to completely relate to it. Upamana. It is defective. Arthapati. Arthapati. Sometimes a fact is common knowledge and thus cannot be rejected. But the cause of the fact being unknown, one speculates on the cause through common sense. So we have, we have the example of uh, even Krishna in re- re- referring to uh, why, are you, why are you performing this sacrifice for Indra? Well, it's just it's a tradition. It's handed down. It's common knowledge. We just do it every year. We should be grateful for the bounty that material nature gives us. And without water coming from Indra, then material nature is not going to provide the bounty that we enjoy in the fall. So in the fall, we offer back to him some tribute, some appreciation it doesn't get to the heart of the matter. It's good. It's common knowledge. It's been practiced for generations. It's been practiced from one to the next generation. People just accept it. But truly, is it fully knowledgeable? No. What do we know? We know that without the background, the the spiritual background of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, all the well, what do we, what's uh, Guru Maharaj called them? Now his, his new terminology is sky gods. sky gods. The sky gods have no power. Indra has power, but his power is not absolute. He can give rain, but only if the rain is ultimately sanctioned by whom? Sarvashi Chaham Hridi Sani Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, which is what? Which is Pramana. What is it? Gita Upanishad. It's the breath of the Supreme. He's saying, I'm seated in everyone's heart. For me comes knowledge, remembrance, and forgetfulness. If Indra remembers to give you water, it's because Krishna reminded him. Can you give an example in our 
Of? Yes. I don't see that you eat at all. But you show up every day, and you're well nourished. But I can't see from the time you get up in the morning to I to when I go to bed. I don't notice that you ever eat or drink water or anything. Right? So we could have a we could have a person where we observe that. Therefore, I have to arrive at the conclusion that late at night you're picking out. You're eating. You have to eat because everyone eat everyone's nourishment. Am I absolutely, totally, can I be totally convinced of that observation? No. Why? Because she's alive. Well, she, she could she she could have been blessed with with some benediction. Perhaps you just take some special medicine where you don't have to eat. Or perhaps some somebody's blessed you with some benediction where you don't have to eat. Abhava. An object cannot be perceived by the sense of it. It does not exist near them. Um, we touched upon this before. There can be a wall. There's a wall there, so I don't know what's in the other side of the wall. So I have no... There's no way I'm, 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 I can gain factual evidence of what's over there. That's called a bhava. An object cannot be perceived by the senses if it does not exist near them. My perception is that's the end. You also had a whole human society that said, well, the earth is flat, and when you reach the end, you're going to fall off. They couldn't see. They had no perception. So, a bhava, some bhava, uh, 100 exists in 1,000. Don't quite understand what the author's saying here, uh, but when such an understanding appears in the intellect, it is known as sambhava. A bhava and sambhava can never ascertain the absolute truth. Atitya, again, something is common knowledge in society, but no one really knows where it started. Where we know that at the at the beginning of every class on Bhagavad Gita, the cat has to be given a cup of milk. You've heard this, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's everybody knows that. Well, where'd that come from? Where'd that start? Well, no one no one's able to trace that out, but it's accepted that. The speaker should not speak until the cat's had its milk. It just becomes part of the program. Atitya. And the last of the nine, which is not Sabda, is Chesta. Knowledge of an object or its number perceived by raising the fingers or another bodily gesture. People may make a gesture... That, that implies something. So we have knowledge of those gestures. And we know what the implication that this is being, what implication is being made. A common one. 
you're driving down the highway and you cut someone off and someone gives you <laughs> a gesture. Yeah. Everyone knows what it is. Now, I could speak of how the sages, you know, this is for knowledge. and I don't know any of that, but I know the other one. <laughs> it's some kind of a mudra for sure. <laughs> All right, so the point being made here, this is the right that the beginning of his book, Vishwanath is making the point, what we are presented with, what we as practicing sadhikas accept is based on evidence and our primary evidence is sabda, sound vibration, shruti, smriti primarily. What is Apurushaya coming directly from the breath of the Supreme Lord and what is the revelations given in writing by those who have actually perceived the subjective realm, the transcendental realm. And what is our crest jewel of our evidence? Srimad Bhagavatam reigns supreme for the Vaishnavas as the evidence. What is it? It's the mature fruit. It's been hand down carefully and it is succulent in transcendental revelation. And how do we understand Srimad Bhagavatam? We understand it according to the version of the Goswamis who have been empowered to give us Sri Chaitanya's viewpoint in a very, very mature way as to how devotional service should be practiced. Now, I've already used up all my time and we've only reviewed the three, three verses. Back to one point which we'll close with. When we look to Srimad Bhagavatam, we know that Srimad Bhagavatam is giving us a glimpse into Krishna. And that glimpse is according to the relationship that someone has with him. So this is specifically brought out when Krishna entered the wrestling arena and how the different personalities perceived him. One important thing is those that had no standing spiritually, they did not perceive him as God. They did not see him. So similarly, as I said, one could actually be in the presence of a manifestation of the Supreme, but without a grounding in spiritual knowledge, they wouldn't even recognize God. I have a mundane example of that. Yes. When we had our store, there was a famous person that came into our store, and we only knew her as the famous person, how she appears on in the movies. We don't know her personally. So when she came into our store, we didn't recognize her. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was Renee Zellweger. She came, she was shopping in our store. We didn't know it. Her hairdresser came in later and told us. So it's, I think it's kind of like that if you don't know 
you know, Krishna personally, if you just know how he appears on the big screen, then when he's there as the person, we won't recognize him unless mm. we know him personally. Yes, sir. Um, so I can see where with like um, Shruti is like Gita and Shmiti is like Shrimad Bhagavatam, right? So For the most part. The I mean Krishna part. also speaks in Bhagavatam. Yeah. So that's why that's why with with the Bhagavad Gita, although it's in the Mahabharata, uh, also in the introduction, uh, you know, Srila Prabhupada points out this is the Gita Upanishad. So when we talk Upanishads, we're talking about that. Strictly, strictly Shruti means the Vedic texts. So that would be the hundred eight Upanishads and the Sanhitas. Oh. Okay, so then that sort but, of answers. But Jiva Goswami is explaining that Shruti means you know, so that includes Bhagavad Gita and Shrimad Bhagavad. Okay, oh, so sorry. I was wondering then with Gaur and Gaurlila and Gaur's time and whatnot, so could you consider Shruti like the Shikshastakam and the rest of Chaitanya Charitamrita to be Shruti? Or is that just no? Well, we have a lot. We have a lot of what Krishna directly said, paraphrased by Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. Um, technically, we would rely on the definition Ashram Maharaj has given us that it's you know there's specific scriptures that we consider consider you know Shruti. And Smriti is the writings of revelation coming from those that are that are fully self-realized. The distinction, though, the significance of that distinction has been kind of turned on its head. One of the Goswamis said that actually more important to us as sadhikas, as practitioners, is are the writings of the devotees. I forget, do you know which one? Uh, it sounds like Jiva. I thought it was Jiva, yeah. If I come across it, I'll let you know. But. Might be in Texas and Dover, where it talks about. Mm. So for us, although we make the technical distinction, we're going to take spiritual nourishment wherever we can get it. Now, a lot of, you'll say, other Vaishnav groups, not Gaudiya's, will, will boo-hoo certain, well, we don't, we don't read that. We don't, that. we don't accept that as evidence. Whereas Jiva would say, well, no, you're, this is the real evidence because this has been, this has been completely corrobor- uh, corroborated. Corroborated by the revelations of the Goswamis, you cannot, you know, you cannot dismiss that. So we we have so much faith in the Guru Parampara as coming in the wake of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that our faith goes there. We can take the simplest of statements by Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Maharaj, and it's that's that's good enough for us. And, and we can say, we can accept Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati uh, when he says, I took initiation at this time uh, under these circumstances. We can say, well, your initiation is fully. And other Gaudias and other, other Gaudias will say, no, no, no. 
No, they're the they're the disciples succession broke. But we don't accept that. Uh, we judge the fruit as much as we judge anything. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Anyway, next class we'll get into causelessness and what actually is our devotional practice. What what is the difference between our material orientation of acquiring based on act, action and the spiritual orientation of making a fertile ground so that somebody else can make us their action. Any other questions? Thank you so very much.